This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Adikar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally, the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. And in my darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. Vayomer Hashem el Moshe, Hanichali. And God said to Moses, let me be. Leave me alone so that my anger may blaze forth against them, those traitors worshiping the calf down below. I'm going to destroy them, wipe them all out, and I'll start all over with you, Moses. I'll make of you a great nation. Blot out the past and begin anew. But words aren't always what they seem to be. Learn to listen for the unspoken truth, the concealed meaning, the quiver in the voice. Learn to decipher the subtext hiding in plain sight. Hanichali, let me be. But who's stopping you, God? Who's preventing you from unleashing the full wrath of your anger? Perhaps let me be means its opposite. Moses intuits. God doesn't want Moses to leave God alone, to boil over in anger. God doesn't want Moses to fall silent, to acquiesce, to get out of the way for violence to rain down upon the people. Whisper words of wisdom, dear Moses, so I can learn to let it be. Hanichali opens the door to some other outcome, the inverse of God's stated intent, and Moses walks through the door. And here's the story of where it takes him. It starts with a word play, Hanicha, with its nun and chet, which when you put together forms a different word, a name actually, Noach. Moses' heart begins to race. God, why are you pointing me to Noah? Why are you thinking of Noah, of that tragedy from so many years ago? Moses begins to remember. Long ago, God saw the pervasiveness of evil, the widespread corruption amongst humanity, and devised a plan to destroy it all, to wipe out everything that breathes all of humanity and to begin again with one man and his family. I will establish my covenant with you, God says to Noah. Build an ark and I will make it rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights and I will blot out from the earth all existence that I created. And Noah did just as the Lord commanded him. And it dawns upon Moses. Noah failed. 
He uttered not a word of protest, not a word of prayer. He asked not a single question. He spoke to none of his neighbors. The fate of humanity was shared with one man, and he failed. He failed his fellow, and he failed God. In choosing to save himself, he punctuates the death sentence for others. Moses hears the echo. Surely he sees himself in Noah. Even their stories contain eerie parallels. Two men get saved by a teva, meaning the ark for Noah and the basket that was placed in the Nile for Moses. Forty days and forty nights on the water, forty days and forty nights on the top of the mountain. And in this moment, Moses recognizes in the subtext of God's hanichali, let me be, the dangerous possibility of repeating history. Once again, God intends to wipe out a world of sinners and start over with God's selected leader. But Moses is not Noah. Moses will not be silent. Moses will not abandon his people to suffer from God's violent wrath. This is the subversive sequel. The redemptive story that learns from the moral failings of the past and writes a new narrative where Noah failed, Moses will succeed. This idea, highlighted in the writings of the inimitable Aviva Zornberg, is made explicit in the Zohar. Listen to the following teaching. When God said to Moses, let me be, and I shall make you into a great nation, immediately Moses replied, for the sake of my own success, shall I abandon the cause of the Israelites? If so, all the nations of the world will say that I have killed the Israelites like Noah killed the people of his generation. It's better that I should die and the Israelites not be destroyed. Immediately, Moses implored God, seeking mercy for the people. According to the Zohar, Moses recognizes that he runs the risk of making the same grave error that Noah made. The language of the Zohar is striking. Noah killed the people of his generation. As Zornberg explains, what looks like normative obedience is in fact collusion in the destruction of the world. In this critical moment, Moses perceives the analogy with his own situation and prefers to die rather than incur such a charge. This is the realization that kicks off Moses' impassioned plea to God in the Torah verses that follow to reconsider God's intent for total destruction. Don't let your anger cloud your memory of the journey you've traveled with this people how you took them out of Egypt, and the promises you made to their ancestors. In the Talmud, Rabbi Eliezer depicts Moses as praying with such intensity for God's anger to abate that he made himself ill, overcome by a fever that felt like a fire in his bones. Rabbi Abahu taught that Moses grabbed the Holy One, like a man who seizes his fellow by his garment and exclaimed, Sovereign of the universe, I will not let you go until you forgive and pardon them. Moses 
will not let this story end the same way Noah's story ended. He will beg and pray and protest the excessive violence that God has vowed to inflict until God relents and the people are spared. He will refuse a path that forward that guarantees his safety but condemns the people to destruction. He will not abandon the need for moral action when so many lives are on the line. He will not be who Noah was. And God renounced the punishment despite their betrayal, despite the grave error and sinful, idolatrous behavior, God will not wipe out the people. Moses reminds God how to choose differently, to spurn violence in order to build a future with the people in the wake of their lowest moment together. Vayinachem Hashem, and God renounced the punishment. This phrase completes the subversive sequel because it is the closing bookend to the opening statement of the Noah story. Listen carefully, Genesis 6-6. Seeing how great human wickedness was on earth, vayinachem Hashem ki adam ba'aretz. God regretted having made humankind on earth and said, I will blot them out. Vayinachem Hashem introduces in the story of Noah a God who is so dismayed with humanity that there is no possibility for change. The only response in God's view is to wipe them out to meet violence with violence. But generations later, Vayinachem Hashem signals the end of God's destructive intent. The renouncement of collective punishment. The willingness to continue on in relationship with the people who so often lose their way. Vayinachem Hashem, you were right, Moses. That wasn't the way forward. There must be growth, there must be a moral evolution to our story and advance in our ethical sensibilities. We have to remind each other that the mistakes of the past need not be repeated in the present. We need leaders like Moses, who knew how to stop the perilous momentum of a seeming inevitability. But friends, the story can't end here. The movement can't be one of only vayinachem to vayinachem, of regretting to renouncing. Our subversive sequel needs an epilogue, another chapter that picks up the pieces of a traumatized past and begins to tend to the wounds which have never closed, a chapter of healing. Because Vayinachem has one more meaning, Nechama, comfort like Nichum Avelim, bringing comfort to the mourners, that most sacred task of community, to see one another in the depths of grief, to listen, to weep, to slowly learn to walk again. What would have happened? How different would our Torah be if following the anger and violence of the golden calf 
there was a real nechama, a chapter of healing, a sincere effort to comfort one another in the wake of this estrangement, to see each other anew across the great distance. Nechama is never simple. It's the prophet's vision. Nachamu, nachamu, ami. Comfort, comfort my people. Dabru alev Yerushalayim. Speak tenderly to Yerushalayim. Address their brokenheartedness. Cry and cry and cry for what and who have been taken. And then sit together for as long as it takes to recognize that what has been must no longer be. That a new chapter must be dreamt together. That healing must begin now so that wounds opened by violence and anger can begin to close. And when the broken-hearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer, let it be. Shabbat Shalom. It's Rabbi Brass again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you maybe even in person sometime soon.